Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the M&M Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Alex Metzger. Along with me is my co-host, Chase McCallum. Uh, we ended up taking a week or two off for the winter break. Uh, we're back to school now, though, so we figured, what's a better time than uh, instead of going to school or doing schoolwork, let's just do a podcast. We don't really know where we're going with this one. Uh, Chase had a good idea. We're going to do some New Year's New Year's resolutions and what we want to see from the NHL and just what we want to see in the new year, I guess. Uh, Chase, do you want to start us off with that then? Um, yeah, sure. My first resolution, I'll start with the most realistic one, is more aggressive suspensions. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think to your point there, I think that the Department of Player Safety has gotten better for what they can. I think it is trending that way, which is why I said it's the most realistic one. Yeah. Um, for example, the Tom Wilson one. I don't think we would have ever seen a league try and give a guy, what was it, 20 games for the kind of hit that he made. I mean, they really did take the repeat offender thing to heart and said, okay, we're going to try and multiply this as much as we can and ultimately got knocked down by their arbitrator. But they're at least trying to do what they can within their restrictions. And I mean, I'd rather see that because I think Wilson ended up sitting 15 games when it got bumped down to, what, it was a 12 or 13 or something like that? Yeah, they knocked so it down. So he still sat more games than what he got. He just got some payback, which I'm fine with that. Like, I'd at least like to see him sit out, so I would definitely agree with that. Yeah. Um, there was the Connor McDavid hit. I don't know if you saw that. It was Lindholm on McDavid last night. Oh, just last night. Yeah, yeah. that was bad. Like, that kind of stuff. I don't maybe they will announce one later today. That wasn't even a penalty. Yeah. Like, I just... And it was just a classic, super unnecessary. Yeah, it was a boarding call from five feet away from the boards. Like, I know McDavid didn't put himself in the greatest position, but you can't hit a guy in the numbers. That's why it's Mm -hmm. in the rules. You can't do it. And the ref was staring right at it. So, like, yeah, like, that's the kind of stuff. I don't know. Like, you can't go around suspending five players on each team every game. But for guys, when you head hit or check a guy from behind and possibly, because, like, that's how guys get their neck broken or even their shoulder broken or stuff like that, right? So then you go from having a guy sit from four because he suspended him to having a star player like McDavid out for half a year because he broke his collarbone or worse. Yeah, and also there's this myth that um, like the NHL really tries to protect its star players. And is there any actual evidence you're aware of that suspensions are longer when it's on a good player? Oh, not at all. The the only time you ever hear the we need to protect star players is when you're making an excuse to sign a fourth-line enforcer that can barely play hockey. (laughs) Yeah, that's what I was thinking because... Someone brought that up with McDavid last night, and it's like, I honestly cannot think of a time where a hit was suspended when it normally wouldn't have been because it was on a superstar player. No, I don't I don't think so at all. No, I couldn't think of any examples. How many times did Crosby get injured in the playoffs without <laughs> yeah, anyone exactly. getting suspended for that, right? Like, yeah. And in term like, uh, like, McDavid takes a lot of shit during games because you can't like most players can't stop McDavid without cheating. But. Exactly, and it makes sense. Like if you know you can get away with it, you may as well. But yeah. but he's like nowhere near the top of the league in penalties drawn this oh, year. Oh no, he's near the bottom. Or well, he's... near the bottom relatively to what he plays, like how many minutes he plays, which yeah, is exactly. absurd. Yeah, and I, I think there is definitely to that. Like you're obviously not going to be able to call everything. No, because um, you're not going to be able to put the Oilers on a forty-minute mm-hmm. power play. But at the same time, stuff like that needs to be called. I get not calling a little hook or a little slash on the leg or whatever, but when you get sent face first on the boards, I don't care if that's Connor McDavid or some fourth line guy who just yeah. got called up from the AHL. That needs to be a penalty, exactly. at least a penalty. Yeah, like it's just a dangerous play. And he, did, I don't think he got hurt on it, but you shouldn't be. 
I guess I'll go with one that has to do with suspensions. You shouldn't be suspending people just based on whether they got hurt or not. I completely agree. It should be the intent, not the outcome. Yeah. Like, when you see vicious plays, but the guy gets up right after, I would be okay with, like, massive suspensions on those plays. Exactly, because you know what he was trying to do. Yeah. Like, if you're intentionally headhunting a guy or sending him neck first into the boards or whatever, that should be a suspension whether the guy gets up afterwards or actually breaks his neck. Exactly. And again, like, I go back to minor hockey, and I, I know it's not the same, but they even have rules there that it's like if you say you're going to tomahawk chop a guy over the head, if you go, like, if you wind up behind your back and then go most of the way but stop right before you hit his helmet, it's still a suspension. You will still get eight games for that for attempting to injure a player yeah. because you did the motion and they know what you were trying to do. Or if you hit him over the head but he, he didn't get injured or something like that, you're yeah. still going to get all the games that you would have if you injured the guy. Yeah, It's uh, the same penalty. And I, I think it should be in the same type of way in the NHL if you can... Um, like if you can see that he was clearly trying to injure the guy, like he leaves his feet and dummies a guy in the head or from behind, that should be, whether the guy gets up or not, that should be a suspension. Yeah. Um, yeah. cause there's a lot of plays where it's very obvious what the intent is. They just happen to get up sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Times. They miss, they miss what, like they miss the hit or whatever. And it's not as bad as it could have been. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree with that. Uh, what's your next one? Um, that was my only honestly reasonable one, but I would like to see gold drafting. Are you familiar with that? I am, but go through it. So gold, the everyone knows the way drafting works right now is whoever finishes dead last gets the best odds, the first overall pick, second, so on and so forth. But gold drafting would change that slightly where it's the most points once you get out of the playoffs. So say the Senators get knocked out of the playoff race, mathematically eliminated tomorrow. This could never happen this early in the season. But let's just say, as of tomorrow, there is no scenario in which the Ottawa Senators can make the playoffs. Then they start earning points towards this goal where, and whoever accures the most of those points makes the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it combines an incentive to get knocked out early with the incentive not to be a complete dumpster fire and still want to win hockey games no matter what. Yeah, I would... There's a few problems I have with this. I, I don't mind the idea. Um, and I do think the way that it's set up now, I don't love it. Like, I don't like... I shouldn't say I don't like... I don't think there's a perfect solution. No, I don't think so, there is. Yeah. I, I mean, you look at uh, leagues like the NFL, they just go whoever comes last gets the pick. So sometimes teams will just try and tank for last. Um... Now, you, with the NHL, like, I, I understand why you don't want teams tanking for last, especially, like, I, Ottawa's not, they can't do it this year, but you have teams, like, if a team was, like, as bad as Ottawa was this year, or the Buffalo Sabres in the McDavid draft, where it's, like, they're clearly out by the mo first month of the season, they're just actively doing stuff to lose. Yeah, I get why that's not a good thing, and I don't like the current system, how, even though it's a small chance, you could miss the playoffs by one point and get a franchise center. <laughs> through the draft because you yeah. won a lottery. I don't, and I don't know where the cutoff is. I don't know where you would make it so that teams can't be in it. I don't think every team who misses the playoffs should get a chance at first overall. I don't like that. You should either be going for the playoffs or in the drafting area. There shouldn't be all, whatever it is, 15 teams now um, with a chance to get the first overall pick. Yeah, because um, you know there's going to be a year like... Uh, the year Tampa got ravaged by injuries and then missed the playoffs. And then they get Jack Hughes or something yeah, like that. Or that even, even the third eventually. overall pick. Even the third mm -hmm. overall pick. That would be 
Just insane. I mean, even like... Well, it happened. We're just lucky that Nolan Patrick wasn't as good as a lot of second overall picks. Or Philly could have got really ridiculous. Exactly. I would say Philly and even Winnipeg wasn't horrible the year they got line. Like, they jumped five or six spots, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. They were bottom ten, at least. Yeah. So, um, but my problem with the gold drafting thing is I do want kind of wonder what incentives it would make to have teams suck right off the bat in terms of... I'm trying to think of the right way to put it. So one of the things that the NHL likes to go on is everyone has a chance or whatever, right? Like yeah. the, the parity, which well, that's is, what the loser points for. Exactly, and it's not exactly true. But at the beginning of the year, the NHL is all about well, you never know, you never know. It's I, not exactly true, but it looks like it's true, yes. and that's all that matters to and them. So I do wonder if, with this kind of drafting, if a team knows that they're probably not going to, if they end up holding some star players out, like even Carey Price. You know, where he's playing through an injury, and I don't think that's always the smartest thing to do. No. But does a team just go, all right, you're not playing for seven weeks, and then does that ruin your overall product for the season? I don't know. That's just one concern I would have with gold drafting is that the tanking, not by the end, it would just be much sooner so you could get out of the playoffs as soon as you possibly could. Yeah, you could get pretty Machiavellian with it, or you could... Just sign a garbage goalie for the start of the year or whatever. Yeah. But you could do that anyways. Yeah, you definitely could. Like, I, I'm not saying it would happen, but I I do wonder if we see teams try and be garbage at the beginning. And then the other thing is, I do wonder if that would um, stop the trade deadline from being as good as it is. That was That's my biggest fear with it. Yes, because if you have the incentive that you still need to win games when you are eventually eliminated... Team, there. If you have a big guy, you know is going to walk. You probably still trade him, but I highly doubt you get the depth guys or the second and third line guys like that. You would trade away because those guys could help you legitimately win games when you need to win games yeah. to get the first overall pick. Side uh, benefit that I didn't even really think of with this: it would give teams benefit to be like have a more intelligent front office because you would need to be able to do the cost benefit analysis of trading that third-line player for a third-round pick or whatever at the deadline. Yeah. So it would incentivize teams to go more all-out in the research and development, which I'm always for. Yeah, that's very true. Um, yeah, like, I don't I don't mind it. I think it's also... I don't want to say it... Because, like, I'm trying to think it from the league's perspective. I don't think it'll ever happen. Um, I doubt it. But I'm just trying to, like, think of just even if I would like it as a fan... I don't. I wouldn't mind it at all. Um, I think it would reward teams for not just trying to suck as much as you possibly could yeah. for the entire season. Yeah, you wouldn't see teams like the Sabers that are like five standard deviations from the below the mean. Yeah, kind of thing. I don't know. Like the other thing for me, I think would be okay. I totally forget <laughs> what I was going to say. If it, if it comes back to me in the next few minutes, I will bring it back up. But uh, do you have anything else? Like, would, do you have another one? Uh, yeah, sure, I got some more. Uh, keep keep going. <laughs> I'd like to see five-year max contracts. I would be all in for that. As um, in, so right now, for those who don't know, you can sign a player for a maximum of eight years if okay. he's on your team. Wait, I, fa- I, fa- I remembered it. Okay. It's with the casual fan for the drafting system. So yeah. I know the NHL goes overboard trying to capture the casual fans that want to watch and just kind of don't care about the hardcore fans. And in some way, it's smart because, you know, you the, hard, have the, the hardcore fans we're gonna, are going to watch no matter what. Yeah, I do kind of wonder if, um, with the gold system, if trying to explain how the bottom of the standings work, it goes, oh, well, when this team's mathematically eliminated, they actually have this many points. And that, like, I just wonder if that would be too confusing for people to want to get into it a little more. The 
even just explaining mathematically eliminated would probably be a pain in the butt for a lot of people. Yeah, like, so I don't know. It's not, and I don't think that would actually be a huge thing because I don't think casual fans would be super into the draft lottery anyways. Yeah, I think any negative that would uh, bring would be overturned by more competitive games late in the year. Yeah, that's fair. Um, Yes, okay, so then back to the five-year contract thing. Yep. I totally agree with that. So as you were saying, eight years is currently the max. It used to be unlimited um, because that the <laughs> last CBA uh, made it eight years because you see guys like... Wasn't it 14 before that? Yeah, that sounds right. Maybe it wasn't unlimited, but it was like 14 uh, years. We were quite young, so forgive us if it wasn't 14. Yeah, because but... like guys like Crosby, Malkin, uh, Parise, Sutter, they're all on these massive deals. Some look better than others. Yeah. And so the, 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 the new CBA made it so it was eight years. You give a reason for five, and I'll give another one, because I'm totally on board with this. Um, Actually, it would sort of suck as a Leaf fan, because in general, you're incent- it would suck as a Leafs fan right now, because you're incentivized to get your young players in for eight years, because you can lock up their whole prime right out of ELC. But what it would do is make a lot more player movement. Yes, that was uh, one that I was going to say. Yeah, if you're only there for five years, uh, I think it definitely helps with, I think you would help it would help see more guys go to free agency. Yeah. Even just like, I mean, you look now, so you have your three-year entry-level deal. So a guy like, we'll use Matthews, for example. Yeah. He's probably going to be locked up for eight years or even what he used to be. Um, you could lock a guy up for four or five years, and then you give him a big eight-year deal, and the next time he's in free agency is 36. And yeah, like no and one... By that time, no one's going to want to give him, or no one should be giving him huge money anyways. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm all for that. I think... You see it in the NBA... Yep, yeah, and I like player movement. I definitely think that uh, helps the sports value when you have a nuts trade or a free agency or trade deadline. I mean, just look at all the hype uh, Tavares went to the Leafs. Yep. And I know that's the biggest market in hockey, but if you're telling me that you know, next summer Eric Carlson goes somewhere, that's yeah. going to be huge. That's going to be massive. Yeah, you can't tell me thousands of people won't be watching to see where Carlson goes exactly. on July 1st. refreshing Twitter to see what happens, you know? like yeah. Especially if your team in on it. It would be definitely huge. Um, the other thing I think it would be good is another, maybe not another analytically thing, but you would stop seeing so long of contracts to just horrible players that are going to turn out bad. Yes, it would save teams from themselves. Yes, a bit which too. maybe wouldn't be quite as fun, but at the same time, I think could actually keep up the fun if you're someone like you and me. Yeah. Um, I do want to see the league go more anal- analytically. However, it is still hilarious to watch uh, Peter Shirelli <laughs> traded for two horrible defensemen. And lock up a guy like Chris Russell long-term because he can. Yeah. Like, as fun as the Seabrook contract is to make fun of or (laughs) whatever. Like, Like, I would like to see changes from that. And so I think five-year deals would save. And, like, you look at the John Carlson deal. I mean, he's having a much better season than I thought he would have this year. But eight, what is it, eight mil? Eight by eight was what he got? Eight by eight, yeah. That's going to be so bad in five to six years. By year six of that deal, Washington will have been wishing it was a... Yeah, and maybe he just goes to LTIR or something like that. But I I do think five years would save teams from themselves in some cases. I think that overall would be better for the sport. Less money tied up into horrible old players means more money going to the good players that deserve it and more money you can put back into your team and the team can be better and the overall product will be better. Yeah, Yeah, and it would... uh... To your point about the players, it would help, like, John Tavares was making $5.5 million up until this year, despite the fact that he's worth way more money than that. Yeah, and, like, I get he has the option to take a lesser-term deal because of that, but, I mean, 
when you're 21 or whatever negotiating a contract and you get a 30-something million dollar guaranteed deal staring you in the face, I get why that would be hard to turn down. Yeah, you hear those stories all and the time. The one thing I will say about, like, you know how people, whenever um, something comes up about, oh, well, people will take the long-term deal because it's, like, risk aversion, right? Like, it's so dangerous to hurt yourself in the NHL. Well, that is kind of true. Other sports are so much worse for that. Like, in the NBA, there's only five starters and only about eight guys who play per game. Yeah. You can break bones so easily or, like, something goes wrong with your shooting and you're suddenly out of the league. There's so many spots in the NHL. Like, I'm not saying it's not uh, risky at all because there is obviously risk, risk. But how many times do you see a guy on a two- or three-year deal, like a star player, have a career-ending injury in the past ten years? Just completely crater. Yeah. Like, I can't think of too many examples of just guys... Absolutely cratering. He's Lee and the Cavalier. Yeah, that's and even that's probably over... That's about 10 years ago now, right? Like, yeah. in the past five or six years, I don't think we've seen too many just legitimate stars crater. I mean, and then there's some guys, obviously, like uh, Louis Erickson, who had just a bunch of like, concussion yeah. problems, or Rich Peverly, who died on the bench. I like, forgot about that. Yeah, like, so there's obviously some of that, but um, Clark MacArthur's and other ones. Concussion yeah. injuries are all, always a thing, but I don't think it's quite as bad as some people try to make it seem like. I completely agree. And, like, it's, it's like, again, in football, if you break your leg, you're, you don't even get the money that you got, and you're done. You're probably not going to re-sign with another team. How did that ever come about, do you know? Like, how do they get non-secured Contracts. I don't know. I think it was negotiating their contract, but I don't. I have no idea. Okay, that, that seems, seems absolutely insane. wild, <laughs> especially in football. Yeah, exactly. What What's your next? Or do you have anything else to say on this one? I guess I was just going to ask. Do you think players wouldn't want that? Right? No, I don't think so. Like if you no. tried to propose it in the next CBA, they no. would argue against it. Yeah, because uh, three extra years of security. any kind of money for yeah any kind of security would definitely be better for them. Yeah, that's fair. And I don't think the pay raise. Because if you cut it from 8 to 5, the amount that you're getting per contract would be going up. Like, it's not like the AAV would go from 10 to 15 or anything like that. Yeah. It would stay at 10. You're just losing 30 extra million dollars. Yeah. And it would just take you... Yeah, they, right? Okay, yeah, again. I don't think the players would like that at all. Yeah. And I mean, NHL players, a lot of the time, do like the security of being able to know that they have a home in the same place for 8 years, which is fair enough. I yeah. mean can't blame them for it. It's no. just, as a fan, you would like to see more player movement and stuff like that. Yeah, but. that's what I was just... Yeah, like, we sat there on uh, Canada Day. There was a, like, ton of us at a cottage just sitting there refreshing Twitter or whatever, waiting for Tavares to sign, and that will probably never happen again. Yeah. I mean, maybe after next year. With, with Carlson. With, but, but I won't be that Yeah, yeah I just say, you won't be, because you're... Yeah, but the, you will be. Probably then, say with a five-year deal, then maybe every couple years yeah. your team might be in on the guy or whatever, instead of once in a lifetime or once in a twenty-year period kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Uh do you have another one? Um, you got one? Not really. As you can see, Chase did the brainstorming for this one. I, I just said I go along with it. Um, I had one more. So um, this one's. Probably gets tossed around about as much as gold drafting, too. It's not my idea. But um, in the playoffs, rather than sort like playing teams through... Uh, Divisional. Yeah, through your division, you would get to pick your opponent based on your rank. Yeah, I would like that. I've seen people say 1 through 16. I get why teams wouldn't want to travel all the way. Yeah. Well, even 1 through 8, I think, would be fun. And you know what? At the end of the day... It's the biggest pushback from guys like uh, Greg Wyshynski is a huge one who doesn't like this. 
His biggest pushback is, well, everyone's going to take one verse eight anyways. Okay, well, let them. well then nothing changes. Exactly, and I'd rather that because something does change. Yeah. If you well, go, yeah, then you are blue. exactly right. Yeah. So if you go one through eight right now, the, it, the lightning would be playing, or um, sorry, the Maple Leafs would be playing the Canadians or the no, I guess Canadians are in ninth, right? It'd be the, the Sabers or the Islanders. Yeah. whoever has the tiebreaker. Exactly. So. They play. They would be playing the Sabers or the Islanders, not the Bruins. Yeah, I mean that's that's better already. Even if you don't, and then imagine the storylines. If say the Lightning pick the Bruins or the Leafs because they think their team matches up better with them, and they go and pick yeah. a, a third seed or a fourth seed or a second seed instead of the eighth seed because they like their chances more. Or if someone's goalie went down, that gives the first seed team like if your start like last year, Colorado starter went down, Varlamov went down going yeah. into the playoffs. That would give, and I mean, they were the eight seed anyway, so it wasn't a big deal. But let's say that happens to a third seed. Like, let's say Frederick Anderson has a season-ending injury a day before the playoffs or a week before the playoffs. The Lightning could then go, okay, we want the Maple Leafs. Yeah. And, like, that would not only provide storylines, it would give the advantage to the team who finished first because that's it makes the regular season more worth it because you get to pick your opponent. Yeah. One of the biggest problems is people go, okay, well, what's the point of the regular season? Half the time, teams don't try for 30% of the game, and by the, like, the team who finishes first gets eliminated in round two anyways. Yeah. And so it would provide more, I Incentive think. Incentive. Yeah, exactly. It. And it would make the end of the season much more, I think, interesting than just, okay, who's going to get home ice between the Leafs and the Bruins? Yeah. And to the whole um, teams would just pick... Uh, if I come first, we'll pick the eighth place, second to seventh uh, argument that that's what teams would just make their policy. Well, all that means is there's a market inefficiency that smart teams are allowed to exploit if they want to. Exactly. Yeah. It's just like, well, the NHL is boring. It's like, okay, well, like teams well, who aren't boring can then be better because of it, yeah. right? Like, Well, if you really think Kyle Dubas is that good at exploiting market inefficiencies, guess what he's going to do when the Leafs go up to the podium kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, exactly. You could make a huge event out of it of all the... It's like a draft day, but all the, the teams go up and the Toronto Maple Leafs select to play and then they name their team. Like, it would be so cool. It would be awesome. It would generate money for the league, too, because people would go and watch that. Imagine, yeah. like... And they do it in the hometown of someone. Like, so imagine, like, they... I don't know, the, the um, Sabres or someone hosts it and... The Lightning and the Sabres are in third, and or the Sabres are fifth overall instead of eighth, and the Lightning pick them first. The, the fans would all just boo. It would be insane. Yeah, it would be awesome. And it would create such, like, uh, part of the divisional format is the Leafs are going to play the Lightning presumably many, many times over the next couple years, and this was created to have rivalries or whatever. That would create an instant rivalry. Say if you're the first place team and you pick the fourth place team, they're going to hate you right off the bat. Exactly. It would just make it so much better. I can't believe anyone's opposed to this deal or no. this thing. I mean, I get the NHL is because um, they hate fun. And, <laughs> it would I mean, be too fun for them. I do believe that there would be some GMs that would be like, well, we don't want to look like the bad guys or... You know, like, if we pick a team and they end up beating us, well, then I'm embarrassed. I mean, I think as I would say so what, but if you're... Commissioner Gary Bettman, and you work for the owners and the GMs, you don't want that. Yeah. Um, so, like, I get their pushback, but I just don't get as a fan how you could dislike no. this or not want it. But even, like I said, to the teams would just pick one through eight. Like, all that means is smart teams have the ability to get an edge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like... And why would you be, like... Yeah, I guess, like, if you're a GM, just pick the eighth place team then. Like, if you have to pick, just go up and pick the eighth place. Yeah. Or if you're the third place GM, just pick the last seeded team you could. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, I don't know. Like, I think it would be really interesting. And like, it's not like you don't have the potential to look stupid anyway. Like, the LA Kings came in eighth place one year and were very clearly one of the best teams in the league, and then they ended up stomping their way to a Stanley Cup. Yeah. So it's not like you still can't look stupid picking the eighth place team. That's very true, yeah. Or like, God, I really don't... I'm I'm horrible tonight. <laughs> I just keep losing my thoughts. That's funny. Yeah, no, like, you. to your point, that's very correct, um... Yeah, I don't. I don't have much more to say on that. I was gonna say something else, but I don't. I escaped my mind. I don't know what's yeah. going on today. Do you have another one? Uh, was, that, was that was that it? I think that was the last one, but I'd probably think of something else. I was trying to think of some of these as the episode was going on. I was gonna say no more protecting uh, first round draft picks, but you know what? I think I like that more than anything. Yeah, um, having lottery protected because it makes the chaos of the next season. I mean, I hate it right now as a Senators fan, just watching my team lose. <laughs> But knowing that you have a team's pick next year is kind of interesting. Yeah, it's um, kind of cool. So, like, yeah, I don't really mind lottery protecting it for a year, I guess. Also, I think if you got rid of lottery protecting picks, you would end up seeing less player movement. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Like, the St. Louis Blues, Ryan O'Reilly trade could look yeah. catastrophic right now. Yeah, but they'll probably just protect it, and then they could probably look fine, fine next year, year once they, if they bounce back. Yeah, but I'd rather have the Ryan O'Reilly trade happen than not. Yes, like, exactly. I think that was great for generating interest. Oh, okay, this is one I was thinking on the way home. Um, I was going to do a post on this, but I maybe I won't. But what I want to see is teams, um, speaking of market inefficiencies, exploit draft picks uh, and returns by taking two second-rounders instead of a late first. So they were talking about this on, I, th- I believe it was Sean Tierney joined Ian Tullock for the Least Geek podcast. Yeah. And he was talking about, and if you don't know, pretty much by the time you get to the late 20s or even mid-20s of the first round, um, the value of a draft pick really doesn't vary much from a second rounder and even like a third rounder. Like Once you get that deep in the draft, the chances of getting a star player from those picks really yeah. doesn't vary that much. So what I would like to see is, so people, what happens is people see a first rounder and they go, oh, wow, that's sweet. But it could be the 28th overall pick compared to a second rounder. They go, eh. And it might be the 36th pick, right? So yeah. the, the value between that's really not much different. And I do kind of wonder what more you could get from that. So like, I kind of want, I want to see teams if they are selling. So let's say Ottawa trades, I don't know, Mark Stone, for example. And instead of asking for a first, a really good prospect and a third or something, they ask for... If they could ask for two-thirds, two-seconds, and a really good prospect, if that would be worth more value from a team who's going for a cup run. Yeah, I uh, I had something similar to the draft pick thing where I looked at just star players, and basically after the top three, it falls off aggressively. Yeah. So I would love to see teams start doing this. Yeah, and I, I think you could definitely, uh, especially at first anyways, um, I, I know the, the public perception of it wouldn't be very good, but I mean, imagine you could pick up, like, I don't know, say you could pick up the... 48, like, so let's say a team has two second rounders. Yep. You can either pick them both up or pick the higher one up and then the team's next years or something like that. So you get, say, the 48th pick and the 56th pick instead of the 29th pick or something like yeah. that. Like, whatever the numbers work out to be, right? I would like, I think that could be more beneficial. I think it'd be cool to see. I completely agree. This is uh, probably a bad trade to bring up to <laughs> prove our point here, but the Hurricanes kind of tried this when they traded Jeff Skinner for a second, 
third and a sixth as and a prospect as opposed to I'm sure just like a first. Yeah, round pick. and that's fair. But not the that this same, was a good trade. No, but I yeah I say because you could take those second and third rounders and replace it with a first rounder, and I just don't think it would be much better. No, it still wouldn't be enough. Right? But I like the general mindset yeah. of the machine gun approach. Exactly, and to be honest, like that second and third could end up being very very good. We don't know because yeah. the picks. Haven't been made because they're 2019, right? Yeah. Um, and I mean, when Cliff Poo is the major thing you're getting back, maybe that's not as great. No offense to Cliff Poo, he's just not a star prospect or anything like that. But I mean, yeah, like I do, yeah. I don't hate that at all. Like, yeah. I, For the Skinner trade specifically, obviously you want more than that, but the mindset itself. Exactly. Is, and I mean, and people look at that and say, oh, it's a second and a third. That's horrible. Well,. Again, like if you're saying, let's say Buffalo makes it to the second round this year, and their first round, or first overall pick, or first round pick, sorry, becomes a 25th overall, or they have they have three first round picks this year. They have San Jose's, they have their own, they have St. Louis's. St. Louis will probably defer, but they'll have them in San Jose's. Say they say they say you get the whatever the lowest pick of that first rounder is. Would you rather that, or would you rather a second and third rounder? I would probably take the second and third rounder. I, I mean, you have to have your value chart in front of you, but if the second and third rounder is what equals it up, I would do that. Yeah. Right? Like, And again, uh, kind of a theme here that I want to see the league is more incentive to be smart. If you're good, more draft picks is... Like, if you're smart at the draft table, then more draft picks should be amazing for you. Exactly, yeah. I mean, and that obviously... And that, that benefits teams with more money who can have better scouting systems and, you know, yeah. know who to scout. I'm not even saying hire more scouts. I'm just saying know how to use your scouts yeah. and what's, what to scout instead. Um, yeah, I, I, I think the benefit of that would be great. Yeah, I would love to see more teams start trying that. I think it's only a matter of time. Like, you already see Kyle Dubas said he doesn't want to be called the trade-down guy, but at yeah. least trade-down, like, every draft now. And I know it's tough because um, who was it? What podcast? It was on the 31 Thoughts podcast. I think he works for Columbus. He came on and he was pretty much one of the guys who helped like invent the the draft value system. Okay. And he pretty much said that every team has their own draft value. So whatever pick is worth, you know, say the first is worth two thirds or a second and a third or whatever. I could so see that actually. I do get why it would be hard to draft down if every team has pretty much the same ballpark of what a pick is worth. Yeah. You still do see teams trading up for what they think is their guy, which mm-hmm. isn't always the problem. I mean. My prime example is Ottawa Senators traded up for the pick that got the Mayor Carlson. Oh, actually? But, yeah, they traded up about two spots. And, I, I mean, that, that worked out pretty huh. well for a number of years and yep. should have worked out for longer. But, like, that, you know, so it's not it's not like that's not one of those things where doing this always doesn't work out. You just have to be very, very cautious of yeah. what you do. Well, the big problem with trading up is you have to basically bet that you're right and the market is wrong. Yeah. Which is really hard to repetitively beat the market in the long run. But for, for sure. Um, you can't certainly do it a handful of times. Yeah. That's probably good for the New Year's resolutions. Yeah. Want to touch on the Jake Gensel contract? Yeah, let's do it. So we were sitting there when it got announced, <laughs> and you had said something about 20 minutes before. <laughs> Not even. Yeah. Uh, do you want to repeat what you said? So we were just talking about how, like, most perennial contenders have just a unnecessarily long and expensive contract to a player who isn't really that good. And I said, the Pittsburgh Penguins don't have any of those contracts. And then probably like 10 minutes or less later, we looked down at our phones to see Jake Gensel 
got a contract that pays him $6 million for five years. Yep. And it's... I just... I don't... I don't like it. No. I um, really, really don't like it. Yeah. Like, I don't think it's Brent Seabrook bad. No. But... Or, like, pre-resurgence Dustin Brown bad, but... But, like, it's not that much above the Dustin Brown contract, I don't think. No. Like... Not. No, not at all. Especially because Brown only makes, what, 5.25? I think it was 5.83. Okay, yeah. Which but, So, like, he makes slightly less, but and he's worse, but still, like, yeah. I don't know, people overrate Jake Gensel quite a lot for some reason. Yeah. He is horrific defensively. The only thing he does well is put up points next to Sidney Crosby. Which has is, been a common theme <laughs> with Sidney Crosby's yeah. line mates. Yeah, it's funny how Sidney Crosby's wingers seem to put up and it's, it's really weird how this is the guy they rewarded. Because one of the things that I've admired about Pittsburgh is so few times they've managed to get away without rewarding Crosby's line mates. Yeah, like they signed Connor Sheary. He makes $3 million for two more years. And I would way rather have had that than Jake Gensel for six more years at $5 million. Other way around. Five years oh. at six. Oh, right. Yeah. But, um, yeah, and it's just like even like... I don't know, like, I, I don't remember what Chris Kunitz made, but they moved, or when it was time to move on from Chris Kunitz, they moved on from Chris Kunitz. I yeah. mean, like, just in general, like, I, I can't, there, there hasn't been, like, if you look at this roster, there isn't too many guys that are being paid because they're not actually good hockey players, they're just Sidney Crosby's wingers. Yeah. And that's always a good thing that I've admired, that they've been able to stay away from that. Yeah. And it's just so odd that Jake Gensel's the one that they decide to die on the hill for. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, what, it confuses me Especially because it's not like they don't have a replacement for a guy like him. Like, I know in when you're a contender so often like that, you your prospect pool tends to run dry, but, like, they still have Sprong, don't they? No, they just traded Sprong. Oh, right. Oh, right. But, they, sorry, they had Sprong they could have is what I should have said. in their system. Yes. Um, and, like, he could have been the perfect or a perfect fit for a, the same kind of thing, I think. Yeah. Um... So yeah, like I just, I I'm very confused on why he was the one who they decided to go and sign for a long term deal. I just don't get it. I mean, maybe maybe you just truly look at it as okay. We understand that Crosby and Malkin are really only going to be elite for two more years, and then once they start to even go to very good, we're probably screwed. And maybe yeah. they're just they're looking at it as okay. Let's just go all, all in, in for again. two or three years and keep Crosby's line mate because it's a good line. I, I don't know. I don't think it's super smart, but... Um, yeah, like, Jake Gensel's war in the AHL without Sidney Crosby was, like, the best in the league. So maybe they know something we don't, but I've seen enough of him in the NHL to be very, very skeptical of his individual impact. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. Yeah, like I said, he's one of, if not the worst defensive players in the entire NHL. And if all you do is put up points next to Sidney Crosby, that that doesn't do it for me. It definitely doesn't justify six million a year. No. Um, yeah, I just uh, that was a head scratching move to me. Um, it was funny because again at the time we were talking about, it, we just went what? Uh, yeah, it was perfectly timed for our conversation about how they haven't overpaid yeah. Sidney Crosby's wingers, but yeah, I, I just figured we should bring it up. I mean, Pittsburgh's been a team that has really. Turned it on again, thanks to some regression, and uh, 
which we expected, but, you know, in the NHL it's always weird. They don't have 80 goaltending or whatever the heck they started with. Um, So that always helps. And Sid was pretty unlucky last year, but he is absolutely killing it this year. Yeah, and I think even at the beginning of the year he was pretty unlucky, right? Yeah. um, Yeah, so it'll be interesting to watch them. I I do kind of wonder what they'll do at the deadline. I think they could definitely use a defenseman. Yeah, I mean, I what, what team couldn't, but they could really use a defenseman. Um, I guess, okay, David Schlemko could be a fit on their team. He might make too much money. Though. That's what I was about to say, because one of the problems is he still does make $2 million next year as well. If only they didn't pay Jack Johnson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they could actually afford David Schlemko. Yeah. Because, all right, should we move? Well, let's do the deadline real quick. I just don't know who else they would sign. Some forward depth, I guess, would be nice, just... Pad the third you line. You can never go wrong with forward depth. Um, yeah. But, so David Schlemko got put on waivers today. By the time this podcast out, he'll very likely either be on a new team or in the minors. I think he'll be claimed. I think he should be too. Um, so Habs fans on my Twitter anyways hate him. Every Habs fan I've talked to just doesn't like him very much. Yeah, and no one likes him. I just can't understand why. Maybe it's an eye test thing, but you know, I do have trouble trusting the eye test when... All the numbers on him have him as like an elite third bear defenseman, yeah. which doesn't sound like much. And maybe the thing comes down to two million dollars is too much for that. But like, I just I can't imagine playing Jordy Ben is better a better option than David Schlemko no, or Brett Kulak. Yeah, I just don't know what you're gonna do with that extra million dollars in cap space that you got yeah. when you're the Montreal Canadiens next year. Like that's the I thing. Like no I had idea. some people saying, "Oh, maybe he makes too much." Too much for Montreal? I mean, like, no, they have a better team than I thought they would, but they're still, they're not a true contender, and I don't see that changing next year. Yeah, and they have $8.8 million in projected caps. Exactly. So unless, I guess, maybe if they're going to make a spill at Eric Carlson, but if that's the case, then just buy him out. Like, when the time comes, if you really had to, or trade someone else, right? Like, I just don't understand. I don't know. Like, a lot of people that I've talked to don't like his actual... Uh, play, which I just found very odd. Um, I found that really weird. Because I I was looking earlier, I think he's at about 57% in Corsi 4 percentage, which puts him at about 4.32 rel, which on the Montreal Canadiens is very impressive because the Montreal Canadiens are a very good possession team. Yeah, strong relative numbers on a good team. Yeah, he's at about 51 expected goals, which is under uh, a little under the rel, uh, or negative rel. But, I mean, 51 is still fine as well, right? Like, um, one of their problems, I was talking to one of my buddies, uh, who's a Habs fan, and he was saying one of the biggest problems is he, uh, Julian uses him too much, and he is the third most used defenseman at all situations. Um, he played on the power play over guys like Victor Mete, which that's probably pretty inexcusable in my opinion. Probably not the move. No, um... But at 5-on-5, five five, he plays the fifth most, and he has some of the best possession numbers on the team. I don't see how that's a guy you should be trying to get rid of. It's a guy you should be talking to your coach and saying, hey, maybe don't use him on the power play. Or if he's not yeah. a great penalty killer, don't use him on the penalty kill. But, I mean, he seems like the ideal third-pair guy to have, uh, you know, aside from the $2 million. And yeah. the thing I find... I'd pay $2 million for a good bottom pair. Yeah, I mean, or the thing that I find really weird, um, it's not like Montreal doesn't have a shortage of money. Why no. couldn't you trade him? Like, imagine how... You, like, retain half. You yeah, that's to, what I was just... Imagine how nice he would look at $1 million for a year and a half to a contending team who needs yeah. a depth defenseman. 
Like, does that, like, maybe they're just hoping that he doesn't get claimed so they can call him up later in the year if they need him. Maybe. But like, I guess. That just seems like I just don't know why why he you couldn't find a trade for him if he if you really didn't want him on your team. Like Chris Weidman just went for a third round or um sorry, Chris Weidman just went for what people consider an NHL defenseman in Alex Petrovic <laughs> and then got waived right away. Are you telling me you couldn't find anything for Yeah. Shumko? Exactly. Did uh to Petrovic quickly. Did they not say that they wouldn't trade him for Nylander? Maybe. They protected uh, Petrovic, and that's the reason they lost Marchessault and Smith in the draft. So. Yeah. Yeah, I think they did I'm like a couple years ago. Pretty sure that ago. was the report, yeah. and then he's getting traded for Chris Weidman. But yeah, I don't know. You would think there's room for David Schlemko on an NHL team somewhere. I would assume so. Then again, Brandon Peary can't find a job. So. That's another thing I just don't understand. I mean, what does that guy have to do? He's. Uh, I, and like, just... I get he went down because he was waiver exempt, and Vegas didn't want to lose another person, but. It's been like multiple organizations now that he just can't keep a job with anywhere. He's yeah. uh he's first in the league in primary points per hour right now. Yeah, like <laughs> not that that would continue, but no. still that would warrant a well. It's another yeah, look, it's just right? like he scored what I think it was was it seven points in nine games or nine points in seven games. I don't know. He's got five five on five five on five points in eighty minutes, which is pretty impressive. Yeah, like he's just like it's one of those things where um. He had nine points in seven games with the Vegas Golden Knights this year. Yeah. And he couldn't, and they sent him down. Yep. I, it's one of those things where it's like, I, I get why you're trying to, you know, uh, man, manage your roster or whatever. You don't want to lose assets for nothing. But when you get a trial like that and you have a guy who clearly killed it, I have a hard time believing that you should be sending him down. Yeah, like. Even if you kind of figured that he'd be back up in within the week or something, like I would, yeah, like I, so his primary scoring rate or his just goal scoring rate, sorry, using last year's parameters, is eight standard deviations away from the mean. Yeah, like, you don't do that without a ton of luck, obviously. But like his shot rate's still good and everything. That should be a guy that you give a shot to it, not send down. Yeah, like I guess you don't want to lose Valentin Zykov, who's four years younger. You could lose Ryan Carpenter though. Yeah. Ryan Reeves is still playing on this team. I mean, yeah, yeah exactly. Ryan Reeves will never score that many goals that fast. Pure, Ed, Pure Edward Belmar. Yeah. This team, really. They're not a bad team. I just, they don't look that impressive on paper to me. They look very average. Yeah, like, how I the top of their lineup's fine. Patch Reddy, Stastny, I like both of them. Carlson Smith, Marge, so you can't con- complain with that line. Yeah. I mean, on defense, they just kind of have... Well, they rely on that. Theodore line. Schmidt... And then you have Holden, McNabb, England, Merrill, and Hunt. That's not that doesn't that's not a decor that uh, when you're reading them out. I mean, Colin Miller's on IR. Eric Halla, I guess, as as well. Yeah, Miller's pretty good. Too. William Carrier. Um, so I guess there's maybe some right there, but that's just not a roster that I look yeah, that would go to the Stanley Cup Finals. But I mean, <laughs> no, but even this year, like not. I mean, they're tied for the first in Pacific right now, and. As much as we yeah. like to clown on the Pacific Division for being awful, because it generally is, the bottom of it is real bad, they have, they're have the higher than the Central right now. The Central's been the bad one this year. Yeah, um, and I mean, I kind of expect that to change, but still, like, Flames, Knights both have uh, 56 points, Sharks have 53, Ducks have 45, on the other side, Jets have 54, Preds 53, and then it drops 48, 48, 43, so... Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, it's like like if if I said that the Golden Knights found some luck at the right time and they went back to the Cup Finals this year, I don't think it would be the most unrealistic thing. No, I could see it. They get in the one seed and they play a a, a Stars or a Wild or a, du- a Ducks team or something like that. Yeah, and then they. They go and play one of the Knights, or one of the Flames and Sharks, and the Sharks gets more bad luck or something like they had last year. I mean, that's all it came down to, really. I thought the Sharks should have won the series last year. And well, everybody's a hot goalie away from yeah, a series win in the playoffs. Or 12 crossbars away <laughs> from being eliminated from the playoffs. And yeah. Yeah, so, I don't know. It's, just, it's not a real eye-opening roster, but at the same time, like it gets the job done. So Yeah, they're fine. Yeah. But, yeah, I think they... Brandon Peary deserves a shot somewhere. I would definitely agree with that. Um, that's all I got for this week. Yeah, pretty much. About 45 minutes. Uh, we hopefully should be back on a weekly basis. I know we keep saying that, but I'm hoping once school gets back in, uh, we can start getting to a routine now. There's a pretty few busy few weeks off for us. Yeah, I mean, we went from having exams to not doing anything but drinking and watching the World Juniors every night. Um that's all right, though. I think we both kind of need the time off after the exam schedule. And, uh, yeah, now school's back. Hopefully we get in the back in the routine of things. And uh, we should have some more nights off, I think, just where we're, we're able to get together and record a podcast. So hopefully we're back to weekly. Uh, as always, you can follow me on Twitter at NHL Sins and stuff. You can follow Chase at CMHockey66. You can find us on any podcast listening app and check out my work at lastwordonhockey.com. Chase at... Just check him out on Twitter. I don't remember the website. I don't even remember our blog's name. No. Um, yeah, thanks for listening, guys. We'll see you guys next week.